0: Thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. In our show today, we're speaking to one of my former Reiki master teachers, Carol von Kennel. She's a dedicated Reiki practitioner who has been practicing the Yasui system of Reiki healing since 1992 and teaching it since 1994. She's also a Core Light teacher and mentor where her focus is non-dual consciousness and preparing to open the heart. She also serves on the board of directors of CoreLight. And to learn more about CoreLight, you can go to corelight.org. Carol is also an interfaith wedding officiant who has had the great joy of creating custom wedding ceremonies for people of various faiths or none at all. You can check out her website in the show notes, and we hope you enjoy this podcast today. we've seen each other when you have come to do some of the screenings for the movies that we have included you in through the past series documentary but really when I was looking at my Reiki certificate we had met back in 2004. Yes that was quite a while ago. Yes yes and that was my my very first introduction to really a training of Uh, hands-on healing. And uh, how I came to find you was through the Healing Springs Journal that is put out in Saratoga Springs. And um, I think it was a year, maybe during that year, a little bit earlier, I had had my very first hands-on healing session with a healer. I had no idea what to expect or what was going on, but it resonated so much with me that I knew that I had to figure out a way to learn how to put my hands on people to be able to help them move through things. Um, And I later learned that it's really not me doing the healing, but I'm more of the tool in the vessel. Um, But that is really what brought me to Reiki. And one of the other reasons why I wanted to kind of look at the path of Reiki was it seemed that, you know, in this world, people want to make sure that you have some sort of certification or validity to what it is that you're doing. And it was a certificate course. So I thought, okay, well, if I can actually get something that I can hang on my wall to show people that I really have done this, and I'm not just saying that I've done this, that maybe it would bring a little more credibility. So that's kind of um, what brought me to you, Carol. And uh, I, I just had such a great time during my Reiki training. I still use a lot of the things that I learned. And I have quite a few questions now to actually ask you since I've been practicing Reiki since 2004, Of things that have come up when I have begun to train some Reiki students. So I was wondering if maybe you can start off and let us know what brought you to Reiki and how did you become a Reiki master?
1: Well, uh, Reiki sort of found me. I was working at Kitchen Dimensions in Saratoga Springs and a lady kept coming in and looking at tile They did beautiful work at Kitchen Dimensions with baths and kitchens, and I was a bookkeeper. I wasn't in the design department, but she kept coming in and looking at a four-inch square tile that had an outline drawing of a hand on it. They had so many exquisite tiles, I couldn't figure out why she was interested in this particular tile. So I asked her, what is it about this tile that intrigues you so? And she said she was a Reiki practitioner. And I had not heard of Reiki, so she described it to me in some way. And she came back several times. On the third time, I thought, maybe I should be paying more attention to what she's telling me about Reiki. Um, so I asked her where she learned. She said she learned from Penelope Jewell, who at that time lived in Schuylerville, New York. And I wrote down Penelope's name and her phone number, and I put it in my purse. And I just kept it there for a couple of months. Then in August, this was... 1992. For some reason, who knows why we do these things, I pulled it out of my purse and thought, oh, I think I'll give her a call. It was my lunch break at work. So I I called Penelope. It turned out she'd been out of the country teaching Reiki um, in a leper colony in Bali. And then she came home and she was really secluded for a while, sort of in culture shock when she got home. So she hadn't been available all that time. I'd been keeping her phone number in my purse. <laughs> ah, <laughs> it was, interesting. It was perfect. Coincidentally, and there, I was learning that there was no such thing as a coincidence. She was teaching a class in a few days. And it was going to be between two or three o'clock and nine o'clock in the evening on two weekdays. And I thought, well, that's too bad. I work. I, I can't go. And I talked with Penelope and she described Reiki to me. And then she said something that, kind of lit a light bulb in my head. She said, Reiki is healing of body, mind, and spirit. You can do it for yourself and for others. And I thought, oh, oh, this is for my healing. So I signed right up and I went. My employers were, bless their hearts, just interested. They said, oh, let us know what it's like when you come back. So that was was very sweet. And I went to Reiki and... It was so fascinating. I was intensely curious. I was like a horse with a bit between its teeth. I just took it and ran. I knew this was for my healing. And at the same time, I couldn't wait to get my hands on other people because I was so (laughs) excited about this. Then I finally, you know, after a few weeks, maybe a few months, I don't remember at this point, I thought, oh, yeah, this is supposed to be for me first. The point being that if you imagine that Reiki is filling you like, like you're a pitcher and the pitcher is filling up with water. When you are, when this pitcher is full, it has a lot it can give to others. If the pitcher is empty, there's not a whole lot that can be passed to other people. So I started taking much better care of myself with Reiki every
0: day. And I still do Reiki for myself every day. Excellent. Now I know that so many more people nowadays have heard of Reiki before have Mm. a slight understanding of it. Um, You know, when I go and uh, teach some workshops that we've been incorporating incorporating Reiki into yoga and sound healing and, uh, you know, I'll have people raise their hands. Has anyone here not heard of Reiki? And there aren't hands going up anymore. So I'm like, oh, this is great. People have actually heard of it. But for people who maybe this is, you know, they're hearing it for the very first time, can you go in to explain what is Reiki and where does it come from? Reiki is a very gentle healing art
1: that passes energy through your hands to yourself or someone else. It, this particular healing art came from Japan. There was a man named Mikao Usui who was intensely curious about physical healing. So he studied all the major religions of the world, and he noticed there was a commonality. All the major religions talk about healing by laying on of hands. So he wanted to know how it was done. And none of them actually said, Jesus healed, and this is what he did. So he started reading and reading, and he wasn't getting anywhere on his own. So he went to a monastery in Kyoto, and asked if he could study there, and the abbot allowed him to study. And in the Buddhist monastery, he knew that the sutras talked about the Buddha healing. So he read all of the sutras in Japanese, and he did not find his answer. He went back to the abbot, and the abbot said, well, you know, they were translated from the Chinese. So he went and he read all of the sutras that they had that were in Chinese. No answer. No answer. He went back to the abbot and he said, hmm, I still haven't found my answer. And the abbot said, well, originally they were written in Sanskrit. (laughs) So he learned Sanskrit and he read all of the sutras. And in one of them, he found what looked to him like a formula. The Buddha healed. This is what he did. He was ecstatic. He went back to the abbot and he said, I think I found it. I think I found it. And he tried what he read in the sutra and nothing happened. So... We would say that he had the knowledge, but he didn't have the empowerment. And this was a pretty big conundrum. What could he do about this? He decided to go to a holy mountain on a retreat. This was a Japanese custom. If you had a problem, you'd go for a week. If you had a big problem, you'd go for two weeks. If it was monumental problem, you would go for three weeks. He decided this was about as monumental as a problem could be. So he went to Mount Kurama, which is outside Kyoto, and he went to the top of the mountain, and he gathered 21 stones, and this was how he was going to tell the passing of time. Each day, he threw away a stone. He got to the last stone. It was pre-dawn of the last day, and nothing had happened. He'd been fasting and meditating and praying, and nothing had happened then he saw in the distance, in the total dark, in the black, pitch black sky, he saw a light, and it was coming toward him. It came toward him very quickly, and he thought, oh, I have two choices. I can duck or I can sit here and see what happens. It looks like it might strike me, and it did strike him right in the center of the forehead. It knocked him over. He was unconscious for a while, but in this state, he started seeing images he saw bubbles with colors in them. Eventually, he started seeing symbols. He learned them. And as he learned one, it faded away and another one came. Through this process, he learned how to heal. When he came back to consciousness, he returned to the abbot and shared his experience with him. True enough, energy would pass through his body the way it passes through Small children. Small children are pure energy. Energy just flows right through them. You know when a child is, is hurt. You know when it's hungry. You know when it's tired. They really let you know. Energy just flows through them. Gradually, we get socialized out of touch in this culture in particular. So we don't have any concept that touch can actually be healing. And Reiki takes what would be a gentle, loving touch and magnifies it tremendously. So as a Reiki practitioner, I can put my hands on myself or someone else, and someone else can include animals and plants as well. Um, it's striking to see the effect and the interest in animals. My cats will come to me if if one is not feeling well, they'll come and sit and they I put my hands on them and you know I'm just petting them like you would pet your cat when it comes to you and they'll roll around until I get my hands exactly where they want them. <laughs> <laughs> I love to see that. They know what they're doing. Eventually Reiki was brought to the West by a woman named Hawaii Takata. She lived in Hawaii and she started a practice in Hawaii that was very active and she brought it over to the States after World War II And from her, Reiki has spread around the globe. It is still actively practiced in Japan, which is not something that we knew when I first learned Reiki in 1992. Apparently, in the Orient, if something is believed to be sacred, it is just not talked about. It's held private. So we didn't know Reiki was thriving in Japan, and it is. It's a lovely thing to see that it it is still very active where it, was, where it has come from. There, Reiki is practiced in every country around the world at this point, which I think is just brilliant. Mrs. Takata's dream was that Reiki would become as common as aspirin. <laughs> I
0: don't mm-hmm. think
1: we're quite there yet, but we're on the way. As you said, April, so many more people have heard of Reiki now. I've yeah. practiced Reiki in hospitals, and very often the medical people there—from the doctors to the nurses to the orderlies, anybody who's there—oh, yeah, I've heard of Reiki, and that's a wonderful thing. They just let me continue giving Reiki, and they don't—they're not stressed by it. They're not upset. They're not concerned that there's something strange going on.
0: Yeah, and and it's lovely to see too that there are there is some research that has been you know, being conducted to really try to understand what's happening with Reiki, the efficacy of it. Also, you know, noticing, um, you know, patients maybe who have had a broken bone and went in for surgery and were applied Reiki to those that weren't and the healing that occurs almost 50% quicker in those that do receive Reiki. So it's nice that also science is trying to understand what's happening here too. Yes, it's,
1: it makes it easier for doctors who are scientifically based to understand that there is
0: something valid and positive happening. Yeah. Now, can you also go in to describe the different levels of Reiki?
1: Sure. The first level of Reiki is we call Reiki 1. And in this, you learn everything that you need to know to put your hands on yourself or someone else. It is totally experiential. You come to the class... Um, you hear the full story of Reiki. I've given you a broad overview of this story of Reiki, and you learn how to put your hands first on yourself. Where where are the hand positions for treating yourself? Um, and the rest of the weekend, it it takes a weekend. It's usually Friday evening, all day Saturday, and then Sunday morning. Saturday morning, afternoon, and Sunday morning is devoted to putting your hands on someone else. So during this process, you're trading Reiki with other people. You're learning what it feels like to receive Reiki in your own body. You're learning what it feels like to put your hands on someone else. The way that the body opens to allow this energy to flow through is through a series of initiations. There are four, and it's like you're opening a door that's been closed forever. It Maybe it's a little rusty. So you open it gently, and it, that requires four initiations. With the fourth initiation, the door is locked open, and energy will flow through you freely again the way it did when you were a small child. It's a beautiful experience, trading Reiki during a Reiki class, because no matter what your concept may be, you may believe, oh sure, this I understand, this really works, I know, I've heard this from my friends, I've read about it, I, I get it, this really works. The truth is, we don't really get it until we experience it. So it's a lot of fun to watch people's faces as they they light up. They say, oh my gosh, something's happening. I feel something. I feel stuff in my hands. I'm feeling things when people put their hands on me. We're not accustomed to being touched. It's a very gentle and intimate experience. Each hand position takes about five minutes. Think about the last time you had somebody put their hands on you for five minutes. That's a very unusual experience. Unless, of course, you're getting massage. That's beautiful. And I know people who combine Reiki and massage and it's, it takes the massage even deeper because Reiki penetrates beyond what you can reach with your, with palpating with your hands.
0: And then after level one, uh, this, this was fascinating to me about what you can learn in level two, which is the symbols.
1: Yes. In level two, we learn three different things the first symbol focuses energy as as a magnifying glass focuses the sun the sun is all the sun there ever is they're all the sun there ever will be it is neither stronger nor weaker i mean the clouds make it appear that way but basically the sun is the sun and it's the same with reiki healing energy is there and all the healing energy there ever is is there and when you use a particular symbol, it's like using a magnifying glass to, in, to focus. So it focuses the energy to a particular place. The second symbol gives Reiki directly to the subconscious mind. It's healing and balancing on a mental and emotional level. And the third symbol allows us to send Reiki through time and space. Well, that was pretty fascinating to me when I heard this in my Reiki class. In my first class with Penelope, I stuck my hand up in the air and I said, does this mean that I could send Reiki to my girlfriend in Nebraska and she'd get it? And Penelope said, absolutely. She would get it. She would feel it. She would respond to it. That's pretty fascinating to me. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people say there is no such thing as time or space, So I don't know how this works. I don't really understand how it works. So I like to have pretends in my mind. I pretend that, well, I know, for example, I have a physical body and I I think it's pretty solid. It's not. Quantum physics will tell you it's mostly space. So my molecules are tight enough together that I can feel and perceive and see my body. But outside my body, there's, still energy that's me if somebody runs their hand up your arm and they're not touching you you can feel it you can do it to yourself you can feel something that's very near you and then as you spread out this is my imagining this is not physics (laughs) i'm conjuring this image in my mind that as my molecules go further from my body they're just spread out more and more And maybe I can connect with that one molecule that got all the way to Saratoga Springs from Omaha, Nebraska. I don't know. I do know that it works. I've been doing Reiki for 24 years. And the longer I've done it, the more I've done it, the more I know that I don't really understand how it works. And the less I care about that. I just do it. So that's the second level. In the lineage in which I practice, the third level is called mastery, and this is for people who want to teach. So it's a it becomes your path, it becomes your life, it becomes a way of living as you become a Reiki master. You're devoted to teaching your students and then connecting with your students. Um, I still have Reiki trades at my house regularly, and whoever of my students is available comes, and we... They give me Reiki, I give them Reiki, we're trading. So we'll have a table with several people at one table and one person lying on the table, and then we can all put our hands wherever the person would like to receive Reiki. So, first level is everything you need to know to put your hands on yourself or someone else. The second level focuses Reiki, and it feels a lot stronger gives energy on mental and emotional level, and allows you to send Reiki through time and space. And the third level is mastery.
0: Great, thank you. Yeah, I remember when I, a couple of things that I learned from your course for level one was, I remember I was so excited because I was going to be a healer. Yay! Mm. (laughs) And well, you took my ego right out of it. I remember in the teaching, you kind of had said that, You know, that we are these vessels that when you go through your attunements, when you go through your initiations, that the example that you gave, I remember it to this day, was it's like cleaning out the gutters of a house, you know, Hmm. that are filled with leaves and dirt. And that when you clean it out, the water can just kind of funnel through it very easily. And that you had also said that Reiki knows where it needs to go. Mm -hmm. That, you know, once you put your hands on the body, it will go wherever it needs to. And that was also a really interesting uh, learning experience for me, because at that time, I really liked to have control over things. And I remember in the training, I kept asking, well, what do we have to do next? Like, it's, am I supposed to be thinking of something or concentrating? And you were like, it will just go wherever it needs to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, 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 give me A, B, and C, you know? And you were like, it will just just trust that it'll go wherever it needs to. So that was, a, you know, kind of two interesting things that I had learned right away was to kind of move my ego out of it, move the ego out of the way to realize that, okay, I'm here to kind of be this vessel to allow this energy to come through me and to not necessarily try to change or alter where the energy needs to go. But also, um, you know, later in just learning more about energy, one of the things that I did, that I have incorporated in, is intention for the Reiki. So I'll, I'll ask my clients now, you know, what do they intend, even though the Reiki may go wherever it does need to, but do they have an intention for their healing? And I wanted to just know your take on that, because I didn't get a chance to ask about that when I was in my training. That's a very
1: interesting question, Abel. Um First of all, about the ego, we like to think that we're doing stuff. We like to think that we can help people. And it's a a trap. Um, If I think, oh, my friend has a headache, I'm going to put my hands on it, take the headache away. I'm setting both of us up for disappointment. I don't know that removing that headache is going to be the best possible thing for that person. Only their body's wisdom knows. So all I can do is say, I can give you Reiki. And we'll let your body decide what it wants to do with this healing. Hmm. Sometimes the headache goes, sometimes it doesn't. If there's something toxic that the person needs to become aware of, removing the headache may actually be harmful to them. And Reiki only serves healing and balancing. So it's not going to take away somebody's headache if they need the headache for a specific reason, which they may not even be aware of. So I like to just allow people their experience. Um... I've never asked anybody what their intention is. They are expressing their willingness by lying on the table and allowing me to put my hands on them. And we talk prior to the treatment to see what may be going on for them, where they might like me to focus my attention. Mostly I pay attention to what my hands tell me. I put my hands in each position for approximately five minutes and... When I perceive a lot more energy, I leave my hands in whatever position they may be in where I'm perceiving all this energy longer. And I allow the body to take as much energy as it wants in that particular place. And then energy comes in waves. So there's an increase and then a decrease and then an increase and a decrease. So when the energy decreases again, I move my hands. Um, Having an intention is probably a really good idea. I just haven't done it.
0: Well, and, and what made me kind of think of that was, you know, through the interviewing of the interviews that we did for the path and meeting Tom Campbell. And he said, you know, intention moves consciousness. So I was thinking, hmm, is there a way to incorporate intention also into the healing? So, you know, maybe there is a little bit of a focus and a person can kind of bring breath to what it is that they would like for their body and kind of put it out there and we'll just see what happens, Um So that was just a little something that I incorporated into into my sessions as well. I think that may be very, very beneficial.
1: And that said, there is so much that goes on in our bodies of which we are totally unaware. Right. Um, Sometimes I think if we have preconceived ideas, we may actually be getting in the way of our healing. I like the idea of total surrender, allowing The combination of healing and balancing energy, and the wisdom in my body, to do whatever is going to be best for me. Um, I used to do a lot with affirmations, and they are very helpful to a point. It's as if we can imagine—we we we do, we try all the time. I know I certainly do—to figure out what's going to be best for me, what's going to serve my body the best, and I do what I think is going to be the best for my body. And the bottom line is that the body knows more than I do. It's tricky to, how do I surrender to my body? And in Reiki, I have that opportunity. I can just allow my body to absorb energy as much as it wants or as little as it wants. We have no control over how much our bodies take or don't want to take. And I think profound healing can happen... I like I may think well I really need a lot of I need a lot of energy on my back I've been gardening my back is bothering me when what I really need is emotional healing or mental healing healing comes in all forms and on all levels so yes I can do my best to guide it and I think I may do better to get out of the way and let it do what's what's going to serve me the best
0: yeah I like that I like the surrendering to it and just kind of being open to whatever it is, whatever it's supposed to be. Now, um, I've had some people ask me, April, what's the difference? Like, what type of Reiki training should I take? And, you know, the only one that I'm really familiar with is the one that I've been trained in with the Yasui system. But I've also heard of Karuna Reiki. I know that there's like a whole... Um, you know, Reiki Association, William Rand is a popular name in, in the Reiki community as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you know Yasui, the Yasui system as well. But do you know anything about the other branches of Reiki or the different forms of Reiki that are coming out? I know a little bit about quite a few
1: of them. Um, Hawaii Takata trained 22 Reiki masters in her life. That was the core of the Reiki that came out of Japan from those 22 Reiki masters have come all these different lineages. As Westerners, we tend to add everything we're good at into what we're teaching because we want to share. We want to share everything we know. Um, The Reiki that I learned, as you said, is the Usui method, and it's very, very simple. I think maybe... As Westerners, we like more bang for our buck. We want to have a bigger show or something. Reiki is so powerful on its own, it doesn't need anything added to it. And it supports other things that we do. So it works very well with meditation and chanting and yoga and Western medicine. It works with all kinds of things. And there's no reason not to combine it. For me, the confusion comes when you're teaching something that you call Reiki, and you add other things to it. Where's How much is Reiki, and how much is the other stuff that's been added to it? And does it make any difference? Um, I don't really know. I think all forms of Reiki serve in some way. I happen to be very biased to the simplest form there is. It is very profound, profound. Um, And it doesn't need anything more added to it. The other, like Karuna Reiki, and there's one called the Radiance Technique that was based in Reiki. They all have different things that have been added to them, which is fine. They work in their own way. The way I like is the very simple hands-on, Reiki-on, hands-off, Reiki-off. So they're all... They're all serving, they're all different. If somebody is looking for a type of Reiki, I would suggest that they go to a a Reiki master who teaches whatever lineage of Reiki you you seem to be attracted to and get a treatment. See how it works for you. you. Do you feel comforted and nurtured by this type of Reiki? Is this what you like? And if you're not sure, try several others. And in that way, you'll be able to sort out for yourself which seems the most comfortable and supportive to you.
0: Great. Yeah. And, um, you know, another thing that I would like to mention, too, is that there are so many Reiki books out there now. And I remember um, after I had my level two, I did go through um, a different Reiki master. And it was just a matter of money at the time that I couldn't afford um, to take the level two with you at that time. So I found uh, another Reiki master in Clifton Park and I took the level two. And, you know, in learning about the symbols, how really it was a very, it's a verbal tradition to be passed down from teacher to student. And we weren't allowed to take the symbols with us. You know, it was very much like we had to practice them in front of the Reiki master to To draw them, to learn them, to say them, to kind of embody them, and really understand them, and then commit them to memory. Mm -hmm. And the first time I saw them online, I almost started to cry. I was like, "No, what are (laughs) people doing? Like, this is not—we're not supposed to do this," you know. But then, like, I, I chilled out a little bit, and I said, "But you know what? You know, it's great that that now people can be exposed to it, but there is nothing like." really going and getting a training and understanding deeply not just reading about what these symbols are seeing them or looking at them but there is something so different that happens when you are going through the attunements and the initiation as opposed to just picking up a book and reading it or seeing them and i think that you'd probably agree with me there absolutely there is power inherent in the symbols um
1: and people may be able to feel that power and they may not. In my opinion, and I think I'm with the with a large majority, my belief is if you want to learn Reiki on whatever level, you have to be in the presence of a trained master so that you can have the initiations. Um, I have seen it on computers. You Oh, I don't know, put your hand on the screen or something or other. I don't have any idea what that does. I don't know if it has any relationship whatsoever to actual Reiki. Um, people want to do it in a different way. There are some people who, I, I think, I'm, I'm sort of guessing this, think that if something is held as private, the way the symbols have been traditionally held private, they came from the Orient where things that are sacred are held as private in the West, we tend to think if something is held back, if it's concealed, it may be dangerous. So it, it needs to be out there in the open where everybody can see it. That brings safety to it. Well, that's just a misconception. It's a misunderstanding. It's, to my way of thinking, it's not honoring this tradition that came from Japan. There's a lack of understanding of, of the tradition of keeping things private when they're sacred. Yeah. So it is jarring to see them. <laughs> I've had the same reaction, April. It's <laughs> it's it's a little quite disconcerting. I've seen them published in a book. Um and some of them were published she the way this woman wrote the book, she said, Well, I'm not sure which way it is. It should go either this way or that way and she had it reversed.
0: Mm. Oh my gosh.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. Oh I, I know. I really don't think that can be helpful.
0: I don't think so either. Um I also know earlier that you said that Reiki is for mind body and spirit mm-hmm. and for anyone that maybe is interested in trying a Reiki session or um you know may have something going on within them you know what can Reiki do to help the person I mean to say mind body spirit and again it's kind of it's kind of hard to say because it is individual but what do you see most people coming to you for Reiki for
1: A vast array of different things. But I think what helps them the most is relaxation. Mm -hmm. Stress is a huge factor in all of our lives. And it throws off your ability to think clearly, to make good decisions. Um, It can unhinge you emotionally. And eventually it causes physical problems. When the body can really deeply relax relax it can begin to heal it heals itself reiki allows us to get so relaxed we we let go of the stress the stress actually leaves the body some people feel it go it's a beautiful thing there are various physical responses that happen in the body as we're deeply relaxing like sometimes when you're falling asleep for example have you ever been just about ready to fall asleep and there's a jolt in your body Uh Mm-hmm. That, I think, is some kind of something, some sort of a stress leaving your body. And then you can go to sleep. I see that kind of thing happen a lot in Reiki sessions. The body lets go, and then it deeply relaxes, and healing can happen. So people come to me for whatever they come for, and I hope that Reiki provides them what they're looking for, and you can't be sure. I don't know what my healing looks like, much less yours. All I know is that your body has a wisdom of its own, and it will take this energy
0: and use it in whatever way is going to serve you the best. Great. Awesome. And I know we have a little more time left. And, um I love talking about Reiki. I could talk about it all day. (laughs) Um, But I know that on my path as well, it kind of opened up other doors. And I know that you are also doing some other work aside from Reiki, um, having to do with core light and non-dual consciousness. And I was wondering maybe if you can explain how that came to be and what is that and how do you use that?
1: Sure. I'd be happy to. There's a woman named Leslie Temple Thurston who lives in Santa Fe, New Mexico. She came from South Africa originally, and she is a phenomenal teacher. I believe she's an enlightened being, and she teaches non dual consciousness. We live in a world that is polarized there's light and dark, up and down, um, good and bad, all of these concepts that are in opposition to one another. If we can bring the good and the bad, these are just mental constructs. I love Shakespeare said, you know, over 500 years ago, nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. In other words, we're labeling things good and we're labeling other things as bad. So I believe, perhaps, that there's something about me that's really good and there's something about me that's really bad. Most of us hold this kind of a consciousness, hold this kind of a belief system, and we're trying our best to be good. But when things are in polarity, you can't hold only one side of a polarity. You also hold the other side. So if you have a belief about yourself being really, really good, you also have a belief about yourself being bad. So if we can find those aspects of ourselves that we believe to be good and that we believe to be bad, the opposites. I'm just using good and bad in very broad breaststrokes. And we can bring them into balance and harmony. We ask the divine, in whatever way we may hold a concept of the divine, we ask for grace to bring these these states of mind into balance. And when we can bring them into balance, we're no longer out of balance in that aspect of our being. And the more and more aspects of ourself that we bring into balance, the happier we become. It's astonishing. Um, And then you can witness the things that are happening in the world, from a place of what we call your witness this is the part of us that is non-polarized it's, it's the part of us that's in balance it's our connection with the divine with the universe with all that is and it is not polarized so when we go into the state of witness we can actually watch ourselves going oh my gosh you yeah, that was a pretty big judgment <laughs> you're holding some judgment aren't you the witness doesn't judge us the witness identifies things for us and then we have the opportunity to work on them And bring them into balance and the more parts of my being that I bring into balance, the more harmonious my nature is, the more peaceful everything is around me, the more I'm able to watch what's going on in the world and heaven knows there's plenty to watch that is so far out of balance. And by being in a state of balance myself, I'm affecting others. Like when we're doing Reiki, the Reiki, when we put our hands on people, it actually affects others who are in the room. It has an effect that's beyond what we can actually see. So my state of inner balance and harmony has an effect on other people. I remember many years ago, um, transcendental meditators were doing experiments with how how many people could they get together to meditate at the same time. And there was a big big conference in Washington, D.C., I think there was something like 4,000 TM meditators in Washington meditating at the same time for I don't remember the period of time. The crime rate went down in the country. So what we do as a spiritual being has a much bigger effect than our Western mind might understand. So the more people who bring themselves into balance, the more we're helping to provide stability for everybody. And heaven knows we can use some stability in the world right now. Absolutely. It's not
0: stable. And, and this non-dual consciousness, is this something that you're teaching? Is this a, another form of hands-on healing? Or is this just something uh, individually that you are teaching for yourself?
1: Well, I teach through the organization called Core Light, which was founded by Leslie Temple Thurston. Core Light is... is as a way of understanding or imagining, there is a core of light that is in our bodies. We don't see it because it's transcendental. It's in front of and kind of corresponds to the spine. And it is the divine within us. That's I imagine that's how she came up with the name Core Light for her organization. So I am a teacher through Core Light. Um, They have an online presence. You can find... She wrote a wonderful book called Marriage of Spirit, which is kind of what we're doing. We're marrying the two parts of our being that are out of balance, bringing them into harmony. So I teach through Core Light. And occasionally I teach people privately just some of the exercises, some of the tools that I've learned to help to balance the mind.
0: And what is the connection through the spine?
1: Well, it's not actually through the spine. It's just, it corresponds to the spine. It runs through the body the way the spine does. Oh, okay. And it's kind of in front of the spine. And it continues on up and out the, the crown of your head and down through your, what some people call the root chakra. It's the bottom of the physical body, not counting the legs and feet.
0: It's the bottom of the torso gotcha and in teaching that through um core light is it a certain program that people go through is it Mm -hmm. are they individual sessions or can you explain more about that if people wanted to check that out
1: there are what are it used to be a four-year program but people are doing things so much faster now we have modules and um i teach modules three and four one of which is non-dual consciousness the other is preparing to open the heart um there are these different modules, one is on death and dying, I can't even remember at the moment because I just teach my two, and I haven't I haven't been involved with the others. I learned them, I went through all of the modules when it was a four-year course, and I graduated in 2007. Um, you can go online at, at to corelight.org, and f- Look at the courses that are offered, these different modules, and people can choose the one that they want to study. If somebody wanted to become a Core Light teacher, which is what I did ultimately, you take all, all eight modules because it used to be eight semesters. Now it's eight modules. So you can find the one that interests you, and then if you if you get hooked on it, the way I got hooked on it, you do all of them <laughs> because there's so much to learn. And there are um, there's a lot of reading um, there's interaction with a teacher. There are conferences. There are virtual conferences online. There's connection with Leslie um, through these conference calls that we have periodically, and we occasionally have an, a conference in person, and those are wonderful.
0: Great. And if there's any local listeners or anyone you know that can drive fairly easily to get to Saratoga Springs, New York. And if they would like to take a Reiki training or come in for a Reiki session with you, how can they get a hold of you? They could call me at home. The easiest thing to do is call 518-584-4617. Great. Well, thank you so much, Carol. It's been great to be reunited again, just seeing each other through, uh, you know, this last film that we did. It was great to see you in Saratoga at the Saratoga Arts Center and have you on the Q&A panel. Uh, we got great feedback from what you guys shared for the, during the question and answers. And um, it was nice to speak to you and have you a part of our podcast. Thank you so much, April. It's my pleasure. If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepassseries.com. They're also available to purchase on Amazon.com.
1: Our films are also streaming online at Vimeo.com, GuyMTV.com, and iTunes.
0: If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at or send us a tweet at thepassseries.
1: Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe.
0: We hope you enjoyed the show.